Hello and welcome to the Fight IQ podcast where we break down both combat, sports, training, and psychology and try to take away some ideas and tips that we can use in our own lives as well. On this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the small but fierce nation of Dagestan, of course home to UFC lightweight champ Habib Nurmagomedov, what makes fighters from that region so tough and durable, and why are they dominating combat sports right now? All of that up ahead. Dagestan is situated in the southernmost part of Russia. It's often called the gateway to the Caucasus. On one side, the Caspian Sea. On the other, a mountain range, forming a narrow passageway. For many centuries, it served as a bridge connecting Europe and Asia. Most of Dagestan is mountainous. It's a small territory of 50,000 square kilometers, but it's home to 102 nationalities, 30 of them indigenous to the region. That was a segment from a documentary called Faces of Russia, the People of Dagestan. I thought it would be a little bit interesting to play an excerpt from that to give you an idea about the general geography of the area but it is an area near Russia in a place called the Caucasus. Now, this place is one of the most war-torn places throughout history. We're talking all sorts of invasions going back to early 19th century, and even before then, Persia had invaded and occupied it. Russia then took control of it. Peter the Great invaded at one point, and then Persia took it back. Then eventually Russia got it back, uh, finally, once Dagestan signed to become a member of the Russian Federation. But all along the way, it was nothing but kind of a fierce defiance and no surrender, no retreat in mind for the Dagestani people throughout history. So I think that does play a big role in their combat sports ability. The region of Dagestan is still largely quite a poor area, and kids don't have very many options growing up. Uh, it's kind of either eventually end up joining an Islamist group, uh, which the area has a ton of, a lot of them very extremists and terrorists, or take up the sport of wrestling, of MMA, of kickboxing, and bring yourself to the absolute highest level of the game. And in fact, that's very encouraged there. And combat sports in general are seen as an alternative to joining an Islamic terrorist group and you know, a way to prove yourself, build pride, build courage, and do it in a productive way that doesn't cost lives. However, the training regimen is so brutal, we're going to get into that a little bit later, so you can kind of get an idea about the rigorous training that these kids go through to get to where they eventually end up at, which is some of the world's best combat sports athletes. So all these kids do in Dagestan is train. They don't go home and play video games. They don't have a wrestling program. In fact, uh, a lot of these kids, Habib Nurmagomedov included, ended up being in wrestling schools from the time they were basically walking. And they didn't do a lot of regular studies. They studied the art of wrestling and combat, and that's why they're so dominant. 
These are rural, small-town people who work very hard and who have a long pedigree of wrestling and fighting in general. In fact, in Dagestan, it's very normal for young boys to be pushed into hand-to-hand combat from the time they're a very young age, around six years old. And the people of Dagestan and the Caucasus in general employ this sort of I don't know if you want to call it a hazing sort of situation, but it's more of a rite of passage in that a young boy needs to be forged in combat, in adversity, to be able to survive the dangers of the region, to be able to have awareness, to be able to have toughness and grit and resilience when it really comes down to it. And so when you get somebody who's been fighting on the street for a long portion of their life and you get the right uh, instructor, you get the right academy, you're really going to be able to hone a fighter who's got that toughness and that grit, that resilience of fighting on the street where it's much more dangerous, to putting them into a gym in a bit of a more controlled environment and focusing their energy and focusing that aggression, then you can get a truly special athlete. The Muslim faith that pervades the region of Dagestan is something of a double-edged sword. As mentioned before, it does lead to some extremist groups that conduct terrorist activities in the name of trying to be free from Russia. Not that Russia is right to have control over them in the first place. That's definitely another conversation. However, the faith also leads to a lot of really positive things, and particularly when it comes to Islam, The dogmatic practices of prayer, I believe it's five times a day, I'm no expert on Islam, but that sort of devotion, that sort of dedication that followers have to go through day in and day out, not to mention the ritual of Ramadan, which involves lengthy periods of fasting, this sort of dedication really breeds in a person the ability to be diligent and the ability to hold themselves accountable, to have discipline. And I think it really does translate into martial arts training. And I think it actually is a reason why a lot of UFC fighters and MMA fighters and I guess combat sports fighters in general, a lot of them like to praise God after their matches. And a lot of people like to roll their eyes at that. Me included, I've got to be honest, a lot of the time. Um, However, there's something to that. And although if there is a God, I'm not religious myself, um... Is he looking down and watching two people in a cage fighting and favoring one of them? No, it's, it's, it's not that sort of situation. But if a fighter believes that, does it give them an extra edge? I would argue that possibly it does. When you believe that there's a higher power behind you, looking over you, and you're actively in- involved in these prayer and worship rituals towards the God, it seems to me that psychologically combined with hard training and that same level of devotion that they bring to their prayer in Dagestan, they bring onto the wrestling mat. They bring into the MMA cage. They bring into the kickboxing ring. Wherever this event, combat sport, whether it be grappling or striking, is taking place, I think they bring that with them and it really strengthens their resolve. If you want to find me, please just send me location. Send me location. You know, hey, 
I, of course, I am UFC fighter. You know, a lot of people follow me. I have to show perfect, for example, but nobody perfect. When somebody like you, UFC fighter, talk about you bad, or he try to go bully with him, 100%, I'm going to give him back. So Thank you. that was a clip from UFC lightweight champion Habib Nurmagomedov and this was a situation where he was in a bus that was attacked by a fellow fighter who had a rivalry with him. He wasn't able to get off the bus due to security stopping him and it, it was a big situation that a lot of people think was a publicity stunt but his response to it encapsulates exactly what the Dagestani mentality is all about which is a willingness to go to war Anytime, any place, it doesn't matter if it's a sanctioned bout or not. When you grow up in that sort of war-torn region where it's a daily struggle for survival, a lot of poverty, in fact, the mountains themselves are very treacherous, what you face in your day-to-day -day life, once you step into an octagon, a cage, a ring, I don't think those men are very scared of combat. Every fighter obviously gets nervous before they go out and have a bout, but I think Habib and a, and a lot of the Dagestani fighters have this real chill, just kind of almost stoic mentality when they head out into the ring. It's just time to do work. And I think a big part of that comes from a lack of fear in those situations. I think they have a healthy respect for their opponents. They understand strategically and tactically exactly what they're doing when they get in there, and they focus on that. And once you've you know, being through poverty, seeing horrific violence, being engaged in street fighting since you were a six-year-old child. I mean, I've seen video footage of a couple of maybe six, seven, I mean, if I'm being generous, they were maybe nine-year-old Dagestani kids. Two of them were beating each other up, uh, went to the ground. A third child came in, started kicking one of them on the ground. I guess it was a me and my friend versus you situation. And then another kid runs up. Now there's four of them. They're beating each other on the ground. It's, it's quite violent, and you wonder where are the adults, and then you see one of their hands come in from off-frame and push one of the children into the fray. So that's just the way of life that they grow up with. So there's famous footage of Habib wrestling with a bear when he was young, which his father had him do. So that's pretty crazy. But I also wanted to talk about the general character of people from the Caucasus region and Dagestan. Here's a quote from Michael A. Reynolds. He's a... Uh, beat in the Middle East and is an associate professor of Near Eastern Studies. And he said, while studying in Moscow, I had met and befriended both peers and elders from the North Caucasus mountain range, and in particular from the neighboring regions of Chechnya and Dagestan. These acquaintances intrigued me. They stood out from the multiple other ethnicities that I had begun to recognize in Moscow. To start, these men did not shuffle in public, but strode self-confidently, even defiantly in public holding their shoulders back and their heads high. In conversation, they were similarly open and free. They could and would, like the rest of us, curse in the deeply colorful, rich Russian language, but when speaking towards one another, I noticed they were conscientiously correct in language and respectful in manner. I also noted that they had a heightened admiration for the masculine forms of sport such as wrestling, boxing, judo, and weightlifting, I was not surprised to learn that the North Caucasians were overrepresented in the Soviet and Russian national teams in these sports. And that whole respect thing plays a lot. I don't know if any of you saw or knew about the whole feud and build-up to the fight between Conor McGregor and Habib Nurmagomedov, but during the pre-fight press conferences and media appearances, Conor McGregor made a lot of of insults. He insulted Habib's family, his father, 
who is a huge, his father played a, and still does continue to this day, play a huge role in the region in uh, helping youth get off the streets and away from terrorist groups. And he trained Habib. It was basically like an internment camp for, for all intents and purposes. Basically, you are there to wrestle and wrestle only every day and all day long. So this sort of training and this sort of mentality, uh, I think it's what really made Habib mad. Habib got very angry during that whole exchange between himself and McGregor leading up to their fight. And Conor McGregor gets under a lot of people's skins. He gets into their head and he makes them uncomfortable and he makes them angry. And when most fighters are angry, they will admit they don't fight to their full capacity. But because Habib is so tempered by incredible amounts of training and discipline, McGregor's jabs at him and his family and even a little bit at the Muslim religion, he called the Dagestani people rats, which I don't know, I'm, I'm not a fan of that sort of thing that sort of thing when you start getting into a situation it's basically racism at that point um but habib was very angry and he expressed his anger but it almost made him mad during the fight but it it didn't matter because he was already in beast mode he was already so disciplined and so on track with his game plan he knew what he was doing in fact at one point well pounding mcgregor with ground and pound as he had him held on the ground he said let's talk now let's talk now uh pretty pretty infamous saying there during a fight and he kind of proved through just his grit his determination that he was the better man that night and I do want to talk about the training regimen that these men go through because it is grueling from the time they are young and some would call it cruel some would call it vicious but it does breed champions That was a little taste of the Dagestan National Anthem. And before I begin talking about the training myself, I would like to give you guys some quotes from an article on Russia Beyond by Ilyas Haji talking about the youth and the training that goes on in Dagestan. Here it is. The young fighters wear only the lightest padding on their hands. Other protective gear is sneered at. Helmets are worn only by children under 12. Anyone above this age enters a zone mentally as well as physically where sparring turns into a literal bloodbath. Anyone watching for longer than 30 seconds is sure to witness a knockdown or worse. As in real MMA, the coach does not stop the sparring, but only screams at a fighter if he fails to finish his opponent off. Why did you stop? Go after him. Can't you see he's covering himself and crawling away? Get down on the mat. The coach shouts at one of the teenagers, who a second ago almost knocked his sparring partner's head off with a clean side blow to the jaw. So most do as the trainer says it's not uncommon to see a 10-year-old boy hammering a motionless sparring partner sprawled out on the floor. Other kids are often hauled onto their feet by the coach himself so that the fist fight can continue. Now, everything we know about the human brain these days children enduring concussions and then getting another multiple concussions are what really do it that that's what really causes brain damage when that happens again and this seems like a situation where the developing brain can get pretty pretty hammered on so there's certainly a danger to it however it absolutely breeds these incredibly tough fighting machines 
And as I mentioned before, this sort of fighting, it's nothing compared to joining a terrorist group and entering actual firefights with guns and all sorts of various weapons where life and death is on the line. So this is a way to get kids away from that while focusing them and honing them to a razor's edge so that they are ready for anything when it comes down to actual combat inside an arena. And you can look at it as cruel and barbaric, but it absolutely produces results. There's so many fighters from the region that are excelling in a variety of different organizations. And when it comes to their training in wrestling, that is their foundation. That is their thing. There's a, it goes back around 100 years, in fact. And I'm going to read you guys something else from France 24 where they talk about fighters from all over the world coming to Dagestan to learn. So the success of wrestlers trained in Dagestan has now made the region a top draw for the sport. The top trainers no longer just train young men, but also ambitious athletes from all over the world. Or sorry, the trainer no longer trains just local young men, but also ambitious athletes from all over the world, who are not afraid to move to Dagestan, a region that borders war-scarred Chechnya and has itself been a hotbed of Islamic extremism. So when people are coming from around the world to train in wrestling in Dagestan, knowing the danger on their very lives that could exist should they be in the region, they got to have some pretty damn good wrestling programs over there. And in fact, this is one area where Russia did extend a good hand by sending some of the best Soviet wrestlers over to Dagestan after recognizing the history and the culture of wrestling in the region and had them train with the local trainers and the top athletes there and help to create some of these incredible Dagestani uh, wrestling athletes, a lot of them who have represented the Russian Federation and have gone on to win under the Russian flag, and others who actually have left the region and joined other nearby countries and are representing them in the Olympics uh, because they're being provided with the proper money to train and they're taken care of, which is another thing that happens in Dagestan. Now, hearing about kids knocking each other out um, and a 10-year-old kid hammering on another child's motionless body is pretty hardcore, but relatives and uh, extended family of these f fighters, these young fighters, all throw in money to help them, and they're expected to do that. And the kids just get to focus pretty much 24-7 on combat sports, and the results just speak for themselves. They absolutely speak for themselves. We have, uh, let me just look at a couple names here. So, of course, we've got UFC lightweight champ Habib Nurmagomedov, and we've got a very unorthodox fighter right now in the UFC who's coming up, and he is currently undefeated as well. His name is Zabit Magomed Sharapov. I hope I got that right. Uh, and he has a very interesting striking style. Habib and most Dagestan fighters known for their wrestling. Zabit is known for his spinning attacks, spinning back fists, spinning kicks, jumping kind of taekwondo style tornado kicks things that most trainers would tell their athletes not to do in a fight and he pulls them off and uh he's very agile and very impressive uh, there's a very interesting documentary by a youtuber called mixed molly whoppery all about zabit and it's called zabit the master and the shaolin of dagestan i really do recommend looking into that because it touches more on the striking arts that exist in Dagestan and there's this trainer who uh, was trained by Shaolin in China and he kind of brought that style to Dagestan and Dagestan actually produces a bunch of wushu which is essentially kung fu 
champions on top of this all. So they really are excelling across the board in martial arts. There's a few fighters in 1FC as well who are making an impact in the kickboxing division. And there's some other fighters in the UFC. And of course, we've got the pound-for-pound consensus freestyle wrestling great and Olympic gold medalist, Abdul Rashid Sudualev. Abdul Rashid Sadualev. And he has dominated wrestling mats and is considered one of the best to ever do it. So an absolute hotbed of talent. The results don't lie. I mean, these guys are just savages. That's really what it comes down to. So I would certainly like to hear from you guys what you think about the Dagestani fighters. Uh, You can send us an email to info at fightiqpodcast.com. My name is Jesse Day. I hope you guys have enjoyed this podcast. I'm trying to keep it a little short for you guys, a bit of an easy listen, kind of taking you on a journey through combat sports psychology and through a fighter's mentality and mindset. Let me know if you would like to see longer episodes or any suggestions you have for future shows. We are sponsored by highkickcreative.com. Martial arts marketing solutions for the combat sports industry. Once again, my name is Jesse Day. Thank you for joining us on the Fight IQ podcast. If you are on iTunes, please be sure to subscribe, and we look forward to more episodes.